Thomas Crithers. And I'm Jay Reef. And Jay, it's Christmas time. Ho, ho, ho. Now, before we get into the uh, Christmas film that we're going to talk about today, um, have we done... I don't think I've had you on for a Christmas film yet. Have, no. Wait, really? Uh, when was it? Let me have a look at our last Christmases. Our first Christmas was in 2000 and... Covid or whatever. Two thousand and Covid. I had you on for the. I we did we did a mini Twilight Zone of the Christmas oh, special. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then is mm, Seven's not really a Christmas film. Uh, <laughs> it isn't. No, it should be. Neither is it's Saw. The Shining has snow. Uh, the Shining does have snow, and The Shining also brings us on to what we're talking about today, because The Shining is our <laughs> is our segue. only other currently recorded Stanley Kubrick film. And it was also me and you. True. And um, what's next on the list? I mean, that's a stupid question. But, like, after this... Is there a Kubrick mm. film that you're like, yeah, that because personally for me, Eyes Wide Shut is is my favorite Kubrick film. Mm-hmm. Although I've got it, I've got a stupid best off list because I've got The Shining at eleven, and then I've got Eyes Wide Shut at twenty five. But in many ways, arguably, um, I prefer Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> um, so I Eyes Wide Shut, The Shining, and then what's your like? Well, no, tell me first if you're. If that's not your top two, well, I mean, considering the fact that I'm pretty sure I've only watched those two. <laughs> Have you never watched Clockwork Orange or anything? No, that's oh. the one I want to watch next, though. It's very good. It's very good. But you got in um, in first year the blue. You had a beautiful Blu-ray box set, right? I do, and I've yet to watch them all. <laughs> that's all right. Um. Ryan O'Neill died the other day. You could watch Barry Lyndon in honour of Ryan O'Neill. Oh, mm, yeah. I could. I'm, I'm could. interested in Barry Lyndon as well. Barry Lyndon's great. I'm interested in all of them, obviously. But... So, is this where I found out that you'd never seen it before? Or have you seen Eyes Wide Shut before? No, I, I, I have yeah. seen Eyes Wide Shut before. What do you think? Because we did... Uh, I can't remember. I think it, because I think it was on a Friday night or a Saturday night, we all watched The Shining, and it became a yep. kind of like a party because they invited some other flats over. Yep. What do you think a communal eyes wide shut experience would have been like? <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I think there'd be a lot of 
I mean, the first scene's pretty straightforward with the uh, at the party <laughs> with the with the almost blatant cheating. <laughs> With the wonderful Hungarian man uh, who I could oh, talk about oh for hours. Oh, God. Yep. Um, do you realise why a lot of women got married? Well, so that they could lose their virginities. Um, <laughs> I think... With the people they wanted to have sex with. I think there would be a lot of blank silence as people looked at me and, as, and me laughing hysterically um, <laughs> and going, why is he laughing? Um, That's funny because I watched this with Olivia. <laughs> oh yes, and how did she find it? Oh, she actually really enjoyed it. Uh, it's just wonderful. Yeah. I watched it. I've watched it with one um, intimate partner, and um, her big note was she liked it, liked it a lot, mm-hmm. but she got very annoyed with Bill, as, as <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> let's, yes, let's he's a moron. <laughs> And her big note was um, needed more Nicole Kidman. Like, every time Nicole was on screen, she was like, this is knockout. And I completely... I forgot forgot how little she was actually in it until I watched it this morning. Yeah. Now, I personally feel that she's deployed like dynamite. Every single time she is deployed, it's wonderful, incredible, and she knocks it out of the park. I don't know. I don't think it is a performance where that could have been diluted if it if she was in more. But I also don't think that that's really the arc of what the story is here. And I don't know where yeah. we would put her in, other than making mm-hmm. um, the opening scenes longer. And I have no problem with the pace or length of this film, but I don't think it needs to be made longer. No. Yes, it is very long. Although, to be honest, I could watch Tom Cruise wandering around um, New York um, and <laughs> failing to have sex with people for another hour. But Oh, yeah. I could watch it forever. <laughs> um, the... Dum, boom, boom. <laughs> um, the I remember Eyes Wide Shut. I mean... I've talked about this before on the podcast of like when I was a kid and I was getting into movies and I was getting into buying DVDs, there was Mm -hmm. a process of, even though I had my own disposable income and it was, and it was my money, there was still that parental guidance of before I would go to the checkout, I would bring my mom or dad or whatever, the five DVDs that I wanted to buy. And Mm -hmm. I was always like very disappointed when there were two things that got in the way of certain movies. Like when, my mum and dad knew that it was famously sexual or violent or mm-hmm. when um, the the cover looked provocative. Now, it wasn't that I was watching these movies to, I mean, I've told the story a thousand times of when Wolf of Wall Street was coming out and I was, uh, and it was the, I was, uh, that's 2013. So I was 13 and everyone was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, yeah, yeah. You see Mogo Robbie's teeth. And I kept going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited to watch it because in many ways it's a return to the Goodfellas style of filmmaking that Scorsese adopted. Like, I'm, you know, and I remember, yeah. and my mum letting me watch Wolf of Wall Street because she understood its Oscar campaign. Um, so in many ways I was fortunate in that sense. <laughs> However, I can't actually remember what under what circumstance 
I first watched Eyes Wide Shut. I had the DVD version of that Blu-ray box set that we both have, which mm-hmm. has all of those. Um, it, this, it didn't yeah. have Lolita. didn't have Lolita. Mm-mm. And it doesn't have... Um, actually, does it have Doctor Strange live? Mine does. I don't know if yours does. I don't know if mine does. Mm. Um, but... Well, 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 I mean, let's be, he only made 15 movies. It's not, it's not, you know, 15 movies over 60 years, which brings us, I don't, there's lots of big ticket items to touch on. And I don't Mm -hmm. know what to touch on first. I guess when I want to touch on first, I mean, broad strokes, when, when did you first come to Eyes Wide Shut? Oh, um, it was before, I'd say probably four years ago-ish, maybe. Um, I don't think there was a specific reason why I watched it other than the fact that it was I know it's more mixed it's got more of a mixed reception but then, in comparison to with other films but then but yeah. when you look at it those other films it, also have a somewhat mixed reception true but I think the fact that it was slightly more mixed made me more interested in watching it and I'm glad I did because mm. it, I loved it it's one of my favorite films. There is insurmountable um, pressure and um, hype around this project by a variety mm-hmm. of reasons in Kubrick's control and not in his control. Mm-hmm. Above all else, which is something that he definitely wasn't in control of, was his tragic sudden death four days after delivering the final cut to the studio, which then That's becomes true. huge speculation because... We know after the premiere of 2001 and The Shining, he cut about tw- 20 minutes from 2001 and about the ending 10 minutes or whatever from The Shining. So he was known mm-hmm. to make edits after after the fact. Then there's the UK cut of The Shining um, and there's the US cut. There's all, there's, there are different cuts. of Sorry, pardon me. Right. There are... The Shining is the only one where different cuts exist because the extra footage from Clockwork Orange in 2001... He burnt. <laughs> now, right. because it was like, this is the final project. I don't believe in delete. Well, I, I don't think he said the phrase deleted scenes, but I don't believe <laughs> in I don't believe in that sort of thing. There is there is no missing pieces. There's no missing pieces. And when you think of it, it is quite lynching in that way. Because apart from Firewalk with me and Blue Velvet, there isn't that sort of d- missing pieces. No, not really. uh, I mean uh actually Inland Empire. On has some yeah bunnies and all like, that yeah yeah like an hour mm. so um, true but so there is that yeah. there is that speculation of was this actually the final cut there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of um conflicting reports Ali Ermey the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket says he had a phone call with Stanley a week before I just remembered that I have seen Full Metal Jacket. Oh, Full Metal so. Jacket is great, yeah. And he, and he was like, he said, he told me he was a piece of shit. He said it sucks. But then his <laughs> daughter said, that's not true. I don't think that phone call ever happened. Then um, Leo Vitale, the um, guy, man who worked with Stanley Kubrick for a period of years, basically became his second-hand man, devoted his entire life to this master. There's a wonderful documentary about him. Uh, said that he believed, oh no, sorry, it was his brother-in-law who we had a conversation with, and he told his brother-in-law that he felt it was his greatest cinematic contribution. 
To me, it feels pretty. It feels pretty full. Uh, sorry, it feels pretty final cutty. And to be honest, with especially a lot, the end. <laughs> especially the ending, I can't and, see that changing. And this, and with I personally feel with some of the fades in the orgy, it actually mm-hmm. feels like that orgy has been truncated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not in a bad way. I think the editing is beautifully elliptical and dreamlike, but it actually feels somewhat, I, mean, I don't know how they shot it, but it feels like a 20-minute long take that has mm. been cut and faded in, which gives it this incredibly transcendental and unnerving quality. But yeah. you can see a version where it's like, oh, my God, eyes wide shut, and that incredible 20-minute one take through the orgy, and then he decided to tighten that up. But apart from that, and as much as it is 2 hours 30, and it is long, and it is weirdly paced, I don't actually know what is to be cut or trimmed in this movie. I think it's actually, and it sounds stupid, because Rian is the... Every single time I describe a movie as just the perfect length, she says... You're insane. This movie was far too long. But I genuinely feel oh that this God. that every scene of this feels right. And it does feel yeah. overall like it, yeah. I can't think of anything that I'd cut. I mean, I wanted to get out of the first scene of the party. Mm-hmm. But that but that was mainly because I'd already seen the film. I, I don't I don't think I had that feeling the first time I watched it. Mm. Um, but the party has so many great scenes. A, it has the Hungarian guy, and B, it has Sidney Pollock putting his suspenders over his bare hairy chest and saying, "Yeah, Bill, sorry, she t- took a speedball. It's coke and heroin or something. I don't know." <laughs> Mandy, Mandy, wake up, Mandy, Mandy. Not a great doctor. Not the you're best very, doctor. You're, you're a very lucky girl. Yeah, that's his. That's his. That's his summation. <laughs> the twist should have been that Mandy doesn't die the following day or whatever because of a fake overdose or a or a conspiracy. Just bad doctoring from Bill three days earlier in that it was the overdose <laughs> from three days before. <laughs> <laughs> the okay, let's do some big picture things before we get into it. So Kubrick was circling this story. This original, it's called Traum Naval, and mm-hmm. it's by Arthur Schnitzler. And it's basically, he, for a period of years, was struck between, should this be a drama or should this be a sex comedy? Well, it's funny how it's a drama that is very funny. <laughs> that is very funny. And in the end, it is that great thing of, in Kubrick world, it does take 30 years for him to make the absolute, for me, perfect version of this story. Mm-hmm. But when he wanted to do it as a comedy, um, it was heavily suggested that he wanted to use Woody Allen and that he wanted to make a Woody Allen um, sex comedy. And you can, to be honest, I don't think it would be two hours 39, but you can envision that Mm. late 70s, you know, when I just when ended up at this party and with all these people with masks, and he shows up with a huge mask or something and he doesn't fit in. It could be very funny. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy with the masterpiece that we ended up with. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you could picture that. Then he watched The Jerk in 1979 with Steve Martin, and he then composed that maybe I could do it with Steve Martin. Maybe Steve Martin is this era's uh, Woody Allen. 
then eventually moved into this dramatic mode. And then came the idea of using a real-life married couple. Um, for instance, he flirted with the idea of Alec Baldwin and Kim Bassinger, who were at the time uh, another starlet couple. They were in the movie The Getaway Together. Um, I can't remember when they got together and when they divorced. Very acrimonious divorce. Um, not dissimilar to, of course, who we ended up with. <laughs> Which yes. is a little movie in 1989 called Days of Thunder where a young up-and-coming Australian actress is hired alongside the superstar of the day, Tom Cruise, to make a racing car drama. And uh, on the set, they fall madly in love and uh, become one of the huge couples of the 90s. Mm -hmm. Have you ever watched Days of Thunder or Far and Away, Jay? No, I've never heard of them. Far and Away is not good. Uh, it's the movie actually, that... actually, Days of Thunder rings a bell, but I, I, I haven't watched it. Days of Thunder's great. Days of Thunder was Tony Scott and Jerry Bruckheimer, and they were like, we want to do something with Tom Cruise again that's exactly like Top Gun. And mm -hmm. they were like, okay, uh, let's do uh, racing cars. They're fast. Um, <laughs> and I actually like Days of Thunder. I think it has, yeah. has some good elements. Uh, and But from that, of course, we do get the the, the huge couple of Tom and Nicole. Um mm -hmm obviously ended very acrimoniously now it kind of this their marriage came well you can't let's talk about scientology so their marriage was at their <laughs> height when tom uh -huh. was allegedly stepping away from scientology because he was working on a lot more projects and working with a lot uh -huh. more um uh artistic directors shall we say this is his era of Rain Man, this is his era of Oliver Stone with Born on the 4th of July. And then mm -hmm. this is, of course, his era where he takes 400 days out of his normal schedule, completely postpones Mission Impossible 2, signs an open contract with him and Nicole. Uh, Nicole's, in an, Nicole's in another world because as much as we think of Nicole as one of the biggest stars of all time, and as much as she's been here and there, you know, obviously we're... Um, it's the 13th we're recording this today. Thank God we're only eight days away from Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, um, which it will be Nicole Kidman's latest film. I didn't even know that was coming out this month. Oh, yeah. Um, so now what I'm a dad. Christmas present. Now I'm a dad, but I'm also the king of Atlantis. <laughs> I love the cinema, but there is something about having to watch the same trailer repeatedly. Um, that does dull the senses of my movie going. Um, yeah. But Nicole got the offer for Eyes Wedge Up when she was on the set of Portrait of a Lady, directed by Jane Campion, and she's just done To Die For with Gus Van Tan. She is known um, for doing sort of experimental fare already. So mm -hmm. as much as she is this absolute model-esque, like one of the most beautiful women to be photographed ever, mm -hmm. she is an incredible actress. I've always felt as such. And um, is always doing interesting work uh, with interesting directors. Um, Tom does this. Paul Thomas Anderson comes to him on the set, gives him the script to Magnolia, and then he makes Magnolia. Loses for both, and then gets in with Spielberg, um, makes War of the Worlds, and... Oh... Mm -hmm. 
oh, Minority Report. Uh. And Vanilla Sky, and then suddenly we're into the Mission Impossible era, and we're into him working with Christopher McQuarrie, and we're into absolute um, TC control. Like it is for as much as he yeah. is not the director of any of these films. I think the last Mission Impossible movie says a film by Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise. That's the closest we've yeah. ever gotten to some sort of credit that he is by all means, one of the major filmmakers. And mm -hmm. it's a matter of absolute control. Yeah. Sliding Doors, I really don't need Mission Impossible 2 to be any earlier. But, I mean, can you argue that this was a bad choice for Tom Cruise's career? 400 days out of his shoot? He, he, they signed an open... It's, I, I, I'm just being hypothetical. I don't at all. I think it's one of his best performances, and I think it's an experience like like no other. <laughs> and I, I don't really think it's affected anything much, really. No, not in the long run. No, of course I mean, not. Like, like, I mean, looking at it now, he's since made, obviously, the Mission Impossible films. And is, mm. you know, there's a lot of people that always parrot that he's, you know, the last leading man in Hollywood, mm. uh, big picture leading man. But... Do you think he's gonna do another Mission Impossible? That takes it to 10. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. Takes it to eight, whatever it does. <laughs> and then he's, he's gonna like make it his mission again, like he did in 1999 to try and get an Oscar again. And he's going Maybe. to do like a decade of more, quote unquote, unquote, I'm not saying there's nothing serious about Mission Impossible, but quote unquote, more serious roles in more particular dramas. I think he's far too down the rabbit hole when it comes to control and when it comes to his um, persona. And um, I, I could see him going a similar route to Clint Eastwood and making, making films. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess it is about time he finally just directs a film. Mm -hmm. For as much as he is in many ways making these films and directing and producing, yeah, yeah. I love Tom Cruise. I mean, me and Katrina did all the Mission Impossible movies, and I I I love Tom Cruise. I unabashedly do. For yeah. those who say he's a bad actor, I just am not there. And for those yeah. who point okay. to this as a bad performance. No, oh, get life. <laughs> <laughs> because he's working in the exact same mold that everybody else is on the on the film of that yeah. they did a hundred takes or whatever. Kubrick loves to choose the most bizarre takes, take you know, the story of him burst like absolutely blowing George C. Scott's mind. Repeat on Doctor Strangelove, repeatedly saying more, 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 when he'd just done a play that was like him. I think he was like an alcoholic living in a hovel, and he was like just very somber and like the, the most reserved. And then, because that's another thing, Kubrick is a huge dark comedian. Like, mm. you know, I'm not one of these people who goes in and says that Full Metal Jacket is the secret dark comedy of our era. Just because some of Ali Ermi's insults are like, you know, yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, what's your major malfunction? You know, that's kind of funny. That, that, that's comparatively like 
saying Whiplash is a comedy. <laughs> yeah. With a more recent film. And as much as there are, you know, bits of The Shining that I laugh at a lot mm. more than I do Grown Ups 2, like, <laughs> I... <laughs> Beyond Doctor Strangelove and beyond um, even Lolita, I feel, is in this mould. Yes, Lolita is kind of funny, but it's Mm. not hilarious like Doctor Strangelove is. He's only, for me, made one truly out-and-out hilarious comedy. And everything else is very darkly funny, but is by no means intentionally um, hilarious. Yeah. Um, so what else is there to talk? Let's do some, I've got some more broad strokes information. This was in mm-hmm. a cruise interview. Um, Kubrick rang and he said he wanted me and Nick in a movie. Uh, Nick was shooting portraits of a lady. And then Cruz becomes kind of, he doesn't talk about it a lot often, mm-hmm. but in these interviews around the film, he is so completely, well, I mean, it was an, it, both Tom Cruise and Nicole in their interviews get asked quite abruptly and rudely by the interviewer I saw, actually. Um, mm-hmm. How did you learn about the death? And they both break down into tears immediately. Like, Nicole is sobbing because it was so incredibly sudden. I mean, he was no by no means a young, sprightly man, but to work with somebody so creative and lively for 400 mm. days and then have him die incredibly suddenly um just must have been an incredibly startling experience yeah absolutely um <laughs> this is where we talk about tom and nicole the thing looming over the film obviously <laughs> is that they obviously divorce within a year yeah. <laughs> within a year now really out of this coming out <laughs> it's it's within a well this is another thing is that this shoots for 400 days tom and right tom cruise and nicole kidman divorced um what first question uh fandom why people also ask uh what happened to nicole kidman and tom cruise cruise had previously referred to kidman as a suppressive person <laughs> Um, it's been repeatedly uh, stated about how one of the big things that fell the d- that fell apart in their marriage was um, vice versa. Tom Cruise's refusal to leave Scientology <laughs> and vice versa know, because then he doesn't get to go to those uh, crazy mask orgies. There you go. <laughs> exactly. um, here we go. May uh, attend the red carpet. Uh, July, when is... Okay, so November 96, the couple begin filming Eyes Wide Shut, which would be Kubrick's final film. Uh, Kidman said, we had two kids and were living in a trailer on the lot primarily, making spaghetti because Stanley liked to eat with us sometimes. In 2020, she said, we were working with the greatest filmmaker and learning about our lives and enjoying our lives on set. Uh, So then March 1997, Kidman accompanies Cruise to the Oscars, where Billy Crystal does the great joke. Um, hey, Tom, if if you don't score this goal, you still go home with Nicole. It's great. Um, then they attend the premiere in 1999. Uh, and then that is 
And then March 2000 is the red carpet. Oh, sorry. And then May 2000 is, here we go, February 2001. Uh, Cruz filed for divorce from Kidman. So citing irreconcilable, I can never say irreconcilable differences. Um, Mm -hmm. Former Scientologist Mike Rinder claimed in 2022 that the church played a role in the couple's breakup by creating a distance between them. The apostate also alleged that the uh, Church of Scientology wiretapped Kidman's phone to monitor her influence on Nicole, which is one of the religion's most prominent members. Obviously, Mm -hmm. obviously they said that never happened. Um, Now, from a modern day lens, we can read a lot into this. I want to touch on this a little bit when it comes to the sort of, let's let's be crude and say Reddit of it all. Mm-hmm. Of like, is this movie Kubrick telling us about Epstein before Epstein ever happened? Is this movie telling mm-hmm. us about all the sex orgies and the, what was it, Pizzagate, where everybody alleged Justin Bieber oh and yeah. and all that sort of thing. And I think the fact that I just don't think it's that on the, sorry, I don't think it's that below the surface. I think the movie very clearly, I don't think it's saying there's somebody walking around with a robe that says JE on it or something like that, but it's more pointing towards everybody kind of knew that these sorts of cabals were happening and these sorts of pedophilic orgies and that sort of thing. But we never knew who and how and where and when. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that Kubrick was killed by by the Illuminati or anything like that. No, no, <laughs> neither. <laughs> um, but um, I do think, on the other hand, not that not that Cruz would ever admit it. I think there's a lot about Scientology in here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, like, the whole, for me, it, it was the 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 note giving and the mm-hmm. take, look no further into this matter, and then the following later by the man with the beige coat. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've watched a few Scientology documentaries and, and those are techniques of <laughs> techniques to suppress anti-Scientology critics. Like, that can't be gotten away from. Now, whether Cruz was blind to it or whatever, and it's an Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale situation when people say, um, do you not think that your religion um, has anti, uh, has misogynistic tendencies? And she's like, no, it's all about, you know, power and, uh, you know, it's about self-worth. Do you think Kubrick was intentionally putting that sign solid because he's such a trickster and such a prankster or what what do you what do you think jack i i wouldn't put it past him and to be honest probably yes Mm. (laughs) um i i I could see that being in his mind Yeah. Um, so final bit of final tidbits, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman signed open-ended contracts and they agreed to work on this project until Stanley Kubrick released them from it. Um, I was doing looking into it. Such an interesting thing. Like the kid, they had to shoot all the scenes with the kid quite early and on a stricter schedule than normal mm-hmm. because kids grow up it, and they knew full well yeah. that this was going to be... <laughs> 
an incredibly long shooting movie, so they couldn't have the kid grow up. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Also, this movie is... also means. Oh, go on. Wow, they they really jumped around with the. Well, I mean, chronologically, like the kid shows up at the start and at the end, and then also a couple of scenes before the end. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Like, also, when it comes to like, you know, you're hearing that this is a four hundred day budget or something. Sorry, a four hundred day schedule. It has a lot of scenes that can necessitate that without issue. Very similar to like shining where they've where they make those hotels sets and then after that you've kind of got free reign like a lot of mm-hmm. beyond the orgy a lot of these scenes are like it doesn't surprise me that he took the chance to shoot the um sydney pollock pool room scene the best scene in the film uh for two weeks because once you you've got those two actors who have signed off and you've got just that room Sidney Pollock did a really interesting thing on one of the documentaries where he says the cheapest part of what you do as a director is let's have another take. You spent all this money on everything and you're going to just do three takes and be done with it. You spent all this money to get everybody here. And whilst they're here, you do three and okay, let's move on. And it's that sort of conversations paired up against in retaliation almost to the whole Kubrick's a, Kubrick's a maniac, Kubrick's insane, Kubrick um, made everybody cry and do 200 shots of everything just to make them insane. I just don't, I just, I, I've really altered my opinion on it all. And there is no doubt for me that there was psychological elements of abuse when it comes to the Shelley Duval of it all. But, yeah. and there was ritualistic um, training of like an abundance and a heavy training when it came to the full metal jacket guys. But it's all kind of in the text. It's all makes yeah. yeah. And and I, I don't I'm not one of these people who idolizes the horrible director. I'm much more a fan of, you know, the Mike Nichols, everybody, you know, when he dies, everybody saying he was the greatest man alive. I'd much rather be a Mike Nichols in this world. But mm-hmm. There is a lot of people who see, particularly Cruz and Kidman and Sidney Pollock and Steven Spielberg, who saw Stanley Kubrick as such a figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we take our first break, this was the first Stanley Kubrick film to open at number one in the US. I I would have thought that Shining would have taken that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the... uh... Shining was a huge book. And it's a horror film, but let's not mm-hmm. underestimate the fact that this film was almost entirely sold around the sex. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people would have been interested in uh, seeing Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> there were heavy rumours at the time that this was the first film that was going to show sort of penetrative sex because like, why else would he hire a married couple? That's why he's hired a married couple, is that they're going to really have sex oh, yes. and he's going to film it. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. But no. And then... That's not why. I can only imagine going to this film and then, like, it opens. Beautiful shot of Nicole Kidman disrobing that black dress. And it's so... 
I mean, obviously, I find Nicole Kidman very attractive. That goes without saying. But I just love the flowing of that, the, like the the dress just slowly slinking off. And it's about a 10-second shot. And her movement is so smooth. And it's just so transfixing. And then we cut to Eyes Wide, the title. And you're like, yeah, great. Here we go. Steadily. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be yeah, naughty. Can't wait for the orgy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you're an hour and 40 and then Tom Cruise is crying on a bed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. going to be a sex scene with this super sexy prostitute. She's got HIV, and, and it's like the whole time he's blue balling is a very crude way to put it. But the whole time Kubrick is like, I'm not going to let you get off on this. Even the orgy. Well, yeah, he's not going to let you get off on it, and he's not going to let Bill get off on yeah. anything. It's it's just him edging around New York. Even the much yeah. t- should have been a better title. Um, <laughs> one final, speaking of the title, obviously Eyes Wide Shut, it's what we see when we dream. There's a very funny clip that was going around Twitter the other day of people at the, like all the stars at the premiere. And there was like Winona Ryder or something. And they kept saying, what does the title mean? And they went to Winona Ryder and was like, I don't know. And then like loads of other celebrities. And then it hard cuts to Val Kilmer who goes, well, obviously, this is about a married couple who are hiding things in their marriage and they're refusing to see things right in front of them. And uh, I think dreams will play a lot into that uh, based on Stanley's other work. And I laughed out loud and was like, oh, wow. And then in my research now, I found that Val Kilmer allegedly sent over like tons of unsolicited or audition videotapes to Stanley. He was like, I need to be in this movie. Oh, Poor oh, Val. Poor oh, Val. Poor oh, Val. On the same I mean, level I as mean, Sean. He could, have, he could have put him in a mask in a, could have, yeah. in a corner in the orgy just watching. Or he could have had him that was the guy uh, being being the stool for the... <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and then like everyone's like in trivia, movie trivia later in life, they're like... Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise were in three films together. Oh, uh, Top Gun, uh, Top Gun Maverick, and um, what am I missing? What am I missing? And then the guy's like, yep, who got it? And then there's one man in the corner, probably me with a cigarette. <laughs> he was the stool in that is white shirt. That takes us to our uh, first break. We'll be back uh, in a couple of minutes or so. Well, the guests, the audience will be back in seconds, but we will be back in about five minutes or so. Bye. And don't forget the password. Don't forget the password, Jay. (laughs) Wow. You're not supposed to be here. What about my taxi? We'll break that down in a second. For our audio listeners, I'm now wearing a mask. I worked for a cruise line for a period of two years, uh, an unnamed cruise line, and they had a masquerade gala like every other week. Really? And the amount of just like the amount of eyes wide shut jokes, I would say, and Fidelio, and it was like 50 50 of people who would be like, very good. And those who just act me like, as if Fidelio means nothing. We really need to start campaigning to get Fidelio and the Eyes Wide Shut party back into the joking lexicon. That's true. We should. Like, 
the every time somebody gives a password or a secret password and i i immediately say fidelio like there is no yeah. it's beyond trivia now it's mm -hmm. like it's just my go-to fidelio 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 um have you ever been to a masked ball or something like that jay i have never been to a masked ball ever have you ever been to a halloween party where the costumes have been so elaborate that you are unrecognizable no no i wish that would have been cool but no. no what was your what has been your best halloween costume jay i remember the halloween we spent together you went as a super cool was it anime or was it manga it was a uh, attack on titan character attack on titan so both to be honest just shaggy that last year was good <laughs> you're a good shaggy were you part yeah. of a mystery were you part of a mystery gang? Yeah. Good. Was I? No, I wasn't there. No, it was, it was in America. Oh, in America. Yeah, of course. Mm. America. Halloween. What did I do for Halloween this year? Was I at sea? Can't remember. No, I don't think I was. I, think yeah, I don't I... think I, I. Yeah, I didn't do anything for Halloween this year. It was only two weeks. It was only a month ago. I can't even remember yeah. what happened. Well, that's a good <laughs> sign for my future. Um, yeah. Jane. <laughs> Uh, we've touched on a lot of things in general, but let's get more into the specifics of the film. My nominations for 10-minute stretch, we can break them down as we go. Um, the opening party, as much as you said you wanted to get away with it, I could stay with Hungarian, you know, uh, and this wonderful man. And then the two just absolute knockout women on Bill's arm. You know, what's nice about doctors is that they're so knowledgeable <laughs> um and and immediately thrusting it pardon the pun thrusting us into the 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 dream world of i mean tom cruise is a handsome enough guy but like there isn't a single woman in this film who doesn't want to fuck tom cruise yep yep it, even the uh, the one whose dad just died. Yes. And then and then I've loved all of his time. Tom Cruise's clone very comically walks in to the building. <laughs> yes, the wonderful Carl. Jay, do you know who was who played that role and shot that role, but then they needed to do Kubrick reshoots, but she was already filming another film? Who? The wonderful Jennifer Jason Lee. No way. Yeah. Oh my god! I I mean I could see that actually. She filmed it, did it all, and then um, Kubrick wanted some reshoots, but she was already locked into um, Exis Existence, the David Cronenberg movie, uh, with Jude Law. Yeah, it's Jude Law, um, which is pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that I think I think personally, I like Mary Richardson. I don't know if it's a good performance, like in in the sense that I do genuinely think I can stand on the corner and say that Cruz and Pollock and Kidman are genuinely good in this film. Yeah, Marie Richardson is interesting in a sense of I I, I think it is actually maybe bad. Okay, yeah, all right. I it, mean, it doesn't not work though. No, yeah, it fits for me anyway. Nine of all the. Of all the sort of episodes of the night, that's the one I can kind of give or take. Yeah. 
Yeah, true. And I think also I could the fact give up, that take it, but oh, sorry, I, I, I do like that it's that one that is the first one of the night hmm. after he has he has her what he hears. Yeah, and then he he goes off and immediately this woman's throwing herself at him. Well, I think in many ways, just from a screenplay point of view, it's it's realistic from that point on that Nicole Kidman believes and believes and trusts him why he's not coming home. Like they clearly he's a doctor who makes house calls to the most rich and famous, not famous, but the most rich. That's where they have all this money because he is dropping money like a goddamn. I, I don't know yep. what. Yep. And they, he must get that money somehow. And so I, I, it, it doesn't surprise me in any way that when Nicole rings up, at, like even when he's at Domino's house and he's like, yeah, no, they're waiting for some family to get here. I don't know how long it will be. That's believable to me. It's not like, uh, yeah, if he just if he just went out of that house after the naval officer scene just to catch some air or just to, I got to leave, I got to leave. And then he didn't show up until 5 a.m. Yeah. Me as Nicole Kidman would be like, all right, I get you're angry. But where were you until 5 a.m.? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the party, like we find out from Nick Nightingale, the party doesn't kick off until 2 a.m. Yep. And then, and then he gets home at 4. Yeah. Yeah. How long was long, he at the party? How long was he at the party? How long was the taxi cab? Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, um, do we talk about the weed argument now, or do we circle back to the weed argument? It's up to you. Well, let's talk about it in context. Let's talk about it. So for me, this is like just an all-timer. When, like, party conversation, I will bring up Nicole Kidman's line deliveries in this scene. Mm -hmm. And and it amazes me every and it's just an all-time clip to show people who have never seen it. And they're immediately aghast by I mean, what a way to open it as well. She takes the drag. And then did you happen the other night? Perhaps maybe those two women maybe fuck them. And he's like, no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Do you think it's overblown? Do you think it's over? Oh, this is such a stupid question to ask of this film. But do you think it works? Not. Do you think it's over the top? It's over the top to an extreme level. I, I think it's fabulous. <laughs> I think it kind of I... lulls you in. It yeah. lulls you into thinking that this is going to be a funny, dark, darkly comedic, like parody almost of an Oscar scene of, yeah. you know, if you, years of civilization, if you men only knew. And it's this yeah. sort of overblown. It's also, it's, it's also the, the rough, like, camera work because the camera is struggling to follow her, mm. like, dancing around, well, bobbing up and down out the frame. It's... It's a moment of steadicam and mm. looseness and sort of it, it, improv camera work in a film and a, in the and the director's career 
completely infamous for absolute control and doing a hundred takes to get the most perfect gliding <laughs> shot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then suddenly he's just doing handheld and she's laughing and she's bobbing up and she's bobbing down. Yep. And it is yep. that sort of, there are multiple moments in the scene where are like, no, you don't know what you're going to get in this film. And I also think it sort of lulls you in with the dark comedy of it, you know, this, yep. Did, when she's getting a little titty squeezed, she think about what this dickie looks like? I mean, what an incredible choice. I don't even know what take that was on. Yeah. But then you're laughing, and you're laughing with her, or you're going, what the fuck is this performance? What the hell is this? She smoked weed? I thought, I thought she'd done crack. And then suddenly, the brilliance of Nicole is that she just drops into it and delivers this naval officer monologue with the absolute most painful, I would throw everything away. And then you're suddenly going, oh, <laughs> what? The kid as well? Tom, you're going to throw Tom, away the Tom kid? Tom Cruise is just... And... Can I mention the lighting in the scene as well? No, you haven't yet. Because it, it kind of sets up the lighting for the rest of the film. Because mm. he has the complementary colours of blue and yellow. Mm. Right. And for this first bit, it's like the entire room's yellow. And then the out the outer bit, which she kind of goes into, is blue. Yeah. And then it, you, it swaps around later on um, when he comes back and starts crying, I'm pretty sure. And also it's that just, blue... The blue is obviously the colour that Kubrick uses for those incredible flashbacks with the naval officer yep. that, of course, yep. were filmed for six days without Tom Cruise being allowed to know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, when it comes to uh, nudity, this is quite a... Um, uh, what's the word? Dare, not daring. Fearless performance or whatever. Whatever you, uh, adjective you want to attribute it. So the way that Kubrick and Nicole worked were that... It, they did work together. Kubrick was very open that, like, I want a lot of nudity. I want, especially in the naval scene, I want each flashback to get steadily more sexual. I want this to be incredibly graphic. Uh, but there will be, I will show you the final cut, and there will be nothing in that final cut that you don't single-handedly approve. And Nicole's verified this story multiple times over. So it was, again, you know, just very refreshing to just, I, I mean, this should be the sort of standard, no matter what, yeah. this sort of this sort of transparency and this sort of coordination. But Definitely. it's very, it's very refreshing that this film doesn't have some sort of looming, you know, twenty twenty three. Well, actually, yeah. you know, in that because as as much the way that Shining has the Shelley Duval business over it, for as yeah. much as. It took 400 days and everybody, um, you know, missed out on a year of their careers or whatever. There isn't really an interview where ever, anybody's having a bad time, apart from Harvey Keitel, who shot for like a month as Ziegler uh, and then uh, got fired, basically. Um, and there was... This again, conflating stories. The internet, the rumor at the time was that there was a scene where which involved him actually ejaculating near Nicole Kidman. 
which I don't even understand how that rumor, I understand it as a rumor, but in the actual seeing the film and reading the script, there's nothing in there that they, they're barely no. in any scenes together. So I don't know no. how, I think that's just a typical salacious rumor. The story that I've heard that makes a lot more sense is that on like one of the 80th takes, he just snapped and said, fuck it, I'm not doing this, I'm done. <laughs> but, but we've yeah. seen this a million times over. We saw it with Robert Downey Jr., who despised his experience on Zodiac. Like, mm-hmm. there are certain actors and directors, rather, there are certain actors who go in for the whole 100 takes business, and there's those who just don't. Yeah. Which, I don't. Which is fair. I don't think I know what I'd be. Yeah. If it was a Kubrick or a Fincher, and I knew at this stage, like, fine, I am in service of a master. But if I was in, like, I don't know. To be honest, if you'd asked me, like, a couple of months ago, I would definitely not have been someone who would have liked doing 100 takes. Mm. But the current job I have, where I do, I do, like, a show every six minutes, mm. over and over... I actually quite like it. Yeah. So well, Nicole talked about it being freeing. Like there's no pressure mm. to get it on this next take. Yeah. Like she, yeah. there was no pressure at all. There was no, yeah, I, I can imagine it's this, it's a similar sort of thing. If like you have, yeah. a, I don't know, a shitty audience or whatever that for that six minutes, next six minutes, yeah. you yeah. could it's... absolutely scare them to death, make them laugh to their, till they split, you know? Yeah, it's it's exactly that. Mm. It's like, oh, this one's wrong. Well, the next one could be better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I've got Rainbow Fashions. Let's talk about that bizarrity. You want oh a tuxedo, a cloak with a hood, and a mask. Yeah. Uh, the scene horrified Olivia. It was great. What do you think is going on? I have no idea. But in the sense well, of where where did the original loader go? Did he actually move away? <laughs> did is is he is that actually his daughter? Or is he just yeah? I mean, I think it is his daughter. I think it is his but, daughter. But he's just <laughs> is he pretending to be mad at the two guys? <laughs> I think the inter it's again it's that dream logic, which does yeah. eventually kind of annoy me because as much as I love Lynch and as much as I love. As I showed, as much as I love a lot of dream logic movies, there is a certain point when those movies are bad, which this one isn't, where I kind of get annoyed, and I'm yeah. like, "All right, okay, wonderful. You can, no matter what criticism I have of the film, be shit. You can just say, well, it was all a dream.' And mm-hmm. and there is that thing of was the plan always for those businessmen to be caught? Is that part of their sexual game? But then that doesn't make mm. sense because then it's complete happenstance that Bill walked in. But then if it's a dream, then um, <laughs> then then who knows? Uh, yeah. But but very funny, very dark. Was she was was she shocked by anything else, or was she just shocked by this? And what was she shocked by? Beyond obviously the child pedophilia. I think I think it was mainly the child <laughs> pedophilia, and um, and then also the dads later on. When when it's when he's like, she's your daughter. 
Yeah. Last night, you said you were going to call the police. Uh, we came to a different arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> um, the party itself, such an unnerving. Is it right? Is it is it not sexual enough? I know that sounds stupid, but like obviously, he was struggling with the MPAA. He watched he watched Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, and Showgirls in, in research to find out how much he could show and still get <laughs> an R rating. Such incredible research, my man Stanley. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to research. What are you doing? His wife, Christy Kilbrick's down there. What are you watching? I'm, I'm researching uh, Basic Instinct again. <laughs> uh, I just want to see how far I can push it. <laughs> Um, it's a really great film, Christine. And um, <laughs> then we... Because uh, it is in many ways... Like, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. do you go in and be like, hi, yeah, I'm going to join in tonight? Because, or are they... Like, the guy that we see fucking the woman over the desk, mm-hmm. is he another hired person? Like... We never really see the rooms of debauchery. We see everything is quite right. chaste. It's all people either watching. Yeah. And these people may be prostitutes or actors or sex workers or whatever in the middle. And everybody's kind of just like watching. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I might see what, yeah, I'll have a look at the other room. Well, well, my, mine and Olivia's question was how did they decide which guy would get on all fours? And and have the people fucking on top of them. <laughs> I mean, I've like, always is that, is that randomly my, decided or <laughs> my entire life. I well, my entire life. Ever since I've wondered, watched this from a very young child and understood the um, ins and outs. What about what those two sixty nine people doing? Can you imagine doing any form of oral sex with this bloody thing on? Never mind something bigger. What, what? Because the mouth's covered as well. Yeah, the mouth's covered. I mean, I, I'll take this off now. This is get, it's, it gets far too hot. Imagine I had to wear these all night. They were absolutely awful. Oh, and then, yeah. oh no, it's stuck. <laughs> um, the and then I was thinking the other day, um, like if you're down there in any way, shape, or form, look at the spikes on this. I know he's not literally wearing this mask. But like yeah. that is just not ideal for anybody involved. No, it's not. I don't want to kink that. shame. Maybe you have a mask. Maybe you have a mask in your in your foo foo kink. Maybe that's what you like. I'm not going to judge anybody, but I don't really think it's logistical. No. Um, and then there's just that lovely other room where they're playing Strangers in the Night and the most like cringy cliche version like basic band version of da, 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 and there's just the yeah. couple and, dancing. What well yeah, one couple fully dressed, one couple no. One person in the couple fully dressed, yeah. one person naked. <laughs> because because it's a strange ritualistic thing. You know, maybe you know on. maybe that's just what he enjoys. Could we not get one dong? I mean I'm straight, I don't care, but like just get a couple of dogs in there, you know? Got all these yep. boobs, more than <laughs> boobs. Lots of um, um, natural, uh, um, oh natural. Let's talk about um, Jesus. 
do you know, Jay, who voices the woman who helps Tom? I, I do, I do. It's Kate Blanchett. The wonderful Kate Blanchett. Yes. And I can hear her, so, so it's wonderful. Yeah. How does that come up? Because, so Talented Mr. Ripley is this year, but what has she done? Like, Well, it, well it, apparently, according to Wikipedia, it came out in 2019. Mm. The, I'm, wait, I'm going to click on where it comes from. So it's a Voltrot article. She's already been in the first Elizabeth movie and been mm. nominated. Oh, no, she wasn't nominated for Best Actress. Oh, no, she was. Wait a minute. Yes, she was nominated for Best Actress for Elizabeth in 1998. And then she's got this and Taunted Mr. Ripley. So it's like the previous Oscar winner of, like, sorry, the previous Oscar nominee of the previous year is just like, yeah, I'll come in and do 30 seconds. But again, I guess that's Kubrick's power. I'm not saying um, they're filmmakers on the same... Oh, go on, sorry. So, so it was after Kubrick died. Yeah. Um, and Tom and Nicole came up with the idea of Kate because she was in England at the time. Hmm. So, so just came over and recorded the lines. Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, because it's kind of St- St- Stanley died before the dubbing was done, so they were worried about who they'd get to dub. Mm. Over um... this sort of yeah. like people coming in for thirty seconds only reminds me of one living filmmaker. Nolan. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah, no Oppenheimer yet, of course. Yeah, but I, yeah. I was thinking Wes Anderson. Like oh, watching, yeah, 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 watching yeah. these past five Wes Anderson movies and the people who come in for like 30 seconds. Yeah. I've never seen, like, for somebody who either people really do love or hate, this isn't like a Kubrick figure where everyone is, even in his life, is saying, yeah, he's probably the greatest filmmaker. Mm. Like, I do think Wes Anderson is one of our finest crafts and technicians and filmmakers. But that is not a commonly held opinion. A lot of people no. yeah. hate him and find him very twee and annoying. Yep. But we're still getting people filmmaking, uh, sorry, um, actors-wise, who always want to be in there. Yeah, which is nice. It is nice. Um, any other 10-minute stretches? I mean, oh, wait a minute, one minute, one minute, one minute, one minute. The greatest scene of all time. Okay, Bill, let's cut the bullshit, all right? You've been way out of your depth for the last 24 hours. You want to know what kind of charade? I'll tell you what kind. That whole play acted, uh, take me, take me, phony sacrifice you've been jerking off with had nothing to do with their real death. The truth is, nothing to happen to her that you after you left that party that hadn't happened before. She got her brains fucked out, period. There was no foul play regarding her death. She OD'd. She was alone in her room. Her daughters looked from the inside. The police are happy. End of story. Come on, Bill. You said it yourself to Mandy, that woman with the big tits who OD'd in my bathroom. <laughs> what an all-time scene! Yeah, it's it's so satisfying in a bad way. Just especially because, like, when he when he goes to the mass place, like my my head w- was in the place of like, okay, well, there's got to be someone here that knows him, especially if his mm. mask's coming off, and it's gonna come up. Um, Do you think it is the person on the balcony who first looks at him? 
most likely. Mm. And but then, then, no, I, it, but then yeah. I, I don't know how you'd recognize Bill that immediately because mm. the because they they only just took off his jacket, so that reason wouldn't have like passed through yet. So mm. I don't know. I I I mean, he comes he comes late. He's coming to taxi, but they don't know that yet, like you say. Would you like to come inside with me? <laughs> what a line. Well, um, come inside with you. Many. Uh, let me uh, think about that. Uh, <laughs> again, I can just imagine Woody Allen. You know, like, I, I can imagine some um, organization of those words would be quite nice. Yes, I, I, I would enjoy that. It's like, can you even imagine the long living legacy of a, of a, or even a late seventies Steve? I, you know what I'd love to see? Mm-hmm. Serious Steve Martin in the nineties, and have it be a slightly older man. Mm. Like, yeah. I love Father of the Bride. I'm not saying that that's not a comedy; it obviously is. But like, there's a wonderful movie, The Spanish Prisoner, written by David Mamet, and he's just playing a straight laced billionaire, like just a villain, just a billionaire. Like, he's got the jobs. He could definitely do it. I think it would be a lot weirder mm. from a view of, I don't know what the sex would look like. I don't know. Like, there is that sort of thing of, like, the hot young couple being in this movie that makes it satisfying in a way. Yeah. Uh, but Sidney Pollock is just so, so wonderful. I love Sidney Pollock. I love his movies. And then, like, mm. as and when he does show up in things, when he's the agent in Tootsie, it's great. When he's in Michael Clayton, he's wonderful. He used to be an actor, then he became a director. He's in a Twilight Zone episode, actually, called The Trouble with Templeton. And mm-hmm. um, he's, he's, a, he's a wonderful actor and just so natural. And, uh, again, wonderful pool table usage. I remember Clockwork Orange. My favourite part of Clockwork Orange remains the rolling of that ball so beautifully into the hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't watched Clockwork Orange yet? You've no, got a so beautiful... I, I'll show yep. A beautiful ball rolling to look forward to. Um, okay. Best single minute whilst we're here. Just a little note: getting ready for the party at the beginning, very realistic, and like the from the the iconoclastic opening and Nicole being so statuesque and beautiful and idolized. And then the next time we see her, she's on the bathroom. She's got her glasses on. Not that glasses make a person ugly, and she's the bad sort of way. But like she's got her glasses on. She's her hair's you know been all done yeah. but she's nervous about it and she's just wiping a she's just wiping a vagina like she's on the toilet and she's just wiping up and she puts the thing away and he's trying to find his wallet and that sort of thing and um it's i, I find it very interestingly realistic in a way that a lot of the other films the rest of the film isn't mm-hmm. yeah um yeah. i love bill watching alice uh with their child helena doing the maths and the can of beer and she's yeah. doing that little Yep, that's really good. Thing with the lip. I love. Um, I love. I'm. I'm always. It's slightly more than a minute, but uh, it's probably it's more like four minutes. I love any appearance of Alan Cumming. <laughs> and anything. It, it's it's so wonderful. Um, it is. How many times the sheer amount of eye fucking as well that he can oh, yeah. do. The lolling of his mouth when he's talking about he looked pretty scared. And I mean, yeah. how many times on a scale of like, how many times in our life together, Jay, have I said to you the phrase, they were big guys? Uh, oh, like, quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Big. Um, so incredibly over the top. So all of his auditions were in American, obviously. And then he came onto the mm-hmm. set, and obviously Alan Cumming is this gregarious Scottish person. And he said, good morning, Stanley. Lovely to meet you. And he was like, you're not American. And he goes, no, I'm not. And in a very, you know, in his wonderful way, and he was like, okay, okay. And you could see Kubrick's manners of going, oh, no, oh, no. But, yeah. again, that sort of, I'm not saying it's a bad American accent, but that sort of over-the-top, obviously he's playing it very camp and trying to seduce Tom Cruise, uh, Bill Harford. Yep. And, you know, playing it over-the-top, it, it's just such a wonderful scene. And so... Reluctant he is to that. What's the first thing Bill asked him? Something about um, his address or something? Oh no, sorry. He says, "Did any did anything peculiar happen here last night?" Does he? Yeah. Or am I, and then he's like, uh, "No." As a matter of, and then he's like, "Well, as a matter of fact, there was something peculiar." And then he talks about the most peculiar thing that could possibly happen: a man slipping yeah. him a note saying, "Please help me." Yeah. <laughs> And then they took him away. I was like, yeah, that's pretty peculiar, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I I felt like I was watching it. It reminded me of um was it what's his name? Oh god. One sec. <laughs> Go on, what film? Uh it's Mulholland Drive. But Oh. Um Oh, I don't know who you're trying to do. I mean, he looks very a bit similar to. Um... Oh, not the cowboy. No, 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 no. It's the winky scene. Oh, does David does Matt? Uh, no, 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 no. Patrick Fischler. Patrick Fischler. Yeah, um, because what's his my name is Madman. Went... Oh God. Uh, scroll down. What's his name in Mad Men? It's going to really drive me mad. Give me the give me the initials. Uh, wait. Because Don a sex. Oh yeah, because his... he's because he's because he's in Mad Men as well. Don a sex with his wife. He's the comedian who makes the fat joke about the the client's wife. Yeah, yeah, he's a prick. And um... then Don starts sleeping with his uh, wife, cub agent. Oh God. Since when was he in so much TV? Wait, uh, who's a wonderful photographer on Veep? <laughs> yeah, uh, Ken on Veep. Ah, okay, are you ready? JB, yeah. JB, JB, Jimmy, 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 it's not Burns, Jimmy B, Jimmy. Oh, can I have a second letter, please? A. Jimmy Ba Jimmy Ba 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 Bag 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 Bala 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 Ba 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 Ba. Can I have a third letter, please? Ah. Jimmy Ba Ba. Jimmy. Jimmy Barant. It's not Jimmy Baranti. That's Jimmy Duranti. Jimmy Bar. Jimmy Barrett. Yes, there you go. Jimmy Barrett, because she is called. I'm not going to get you serious. Jimmy Barrett. Oh, what a what a great series. Yeah. Doesn't it annoy you? Doesn't it make you sick? The way he is with my wife, your husband with my wife. Oh, it's great. Um, Thomas Weirdly's specific favourite parts of the film, the opening shot that we talked about, uh, the wonderful Hungarian man, I think that's my drink. Oh, I'm absolutely certain of it. And then just drinking it. I don't know if that move is ever going to work. <laughs> like No, no. <laughs> Olivia's reaction was, 
I would immediately leave if anyone ever did that. That is disgusting. So, yeah, um, hard cut to uh, everybody's enjoying the party, and then hard cut to Sydney Pollock with a naked, unconscious woman putting his braces over his hairy chest. Wonderful stuff. Yep. Um, yep. Bill's reactions during the whole weed scene and his floppy little hair, and he's like, <laughs> um, the blue tint on the navel, uh, on the navel flashbacks. The mm -hmm. Tom Cruise clap. Now, I wrote this... I, I wanted this specifically in a play. That, and I wrote it specifically into a play. And, and it was like... And the character was ironically called Bill. And it was like, mm -hmm. Bill claps his hands together incredibly firmly. And I was trying to describe it. To, and they were like, what does this mean? What What is this? And I was like, you know, I eyes wide shut. And they were like, no, sorry, what? It's like, you know, when Tom Cruise is walking down the sidewalk and he claps his hands. Um... <laughs> I don't love the gay slurs, but there are there are a couple that feel like really first draft. What team is this switch hitter playing for? And go back to San Francisco where you belong, where it's like this is like the most base, like oh, okay. basic, uncreative gay slurs. Yeah, yeah. Um, the rest of Alice's night, she's smoking, watching soap operas, drinking milk, and eating Oreos. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I really shouldn't have told him about my sexual fantasy to have sex with a naval officer. <laughs> All of the Christmas lights. Yep. It's like kind of boring to say that this is like a Christmas classic now. Um yep. I have I also okay. have no interest. I I've said it about Diad, I've said it about this. I have no interest in the boring conversation of Is this a Christmas perfect? Yes, he said at Christmas. He says Merry Christmas. Yep. He says to the little boy, "Are you uh, looking forward to Christmas?" You know, it, all the Christmas lights. It's kind of it's just it just balls me. They're Christmas shopping at the end. Literally, the last the last scene. Yeah. you can hear Christmas music. The whole diad thing is absolutely bullshit. That's another podcast entirely. But like, be, it yeah. just yeah. it's just so annoying and uninteresting. Um, what have I got here? Uh, Bill's love of beer. Like he's got the beer in the glass at home, the beer in the jazz bar. Even in a, even in like a cool jazz bar in the middle of the night, he's like, "Yeah, I'll have a beer, like a pint of beer." Interesting. Yep. I started to lose a lot of my hair. Why can't you help me? <laughs> um, uh, I love the elderly man at the house who gives him the letter, who looks incredibly ominous. Yeah. Uh, the first time the beige coat man turns the corner, and we hear the uh, well, not for the first time, we hear that piano strike an awful lot. Yeah. I remember see, my. Uncle Fester. <laughs> I remember my drama teacher, Phil Stokes. I don't know if I can... Well, yeah, he's, he was wonderful. And um, the first time we talked about Eyes Wide Shut, and he was like, I could have probably done with a few less um, reprises of that bloody piano music. <laughs> and every single time, the minute he turns the corner and all of the masked people are staring at him and you hear that, bang, bang, and you're like, Wow. And then as it goes on, I'm like, oh, oh okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Bomb, bomb. Bomb, bomb. I love, again, a couple of more moments from the wonderful speech with Sidney Pollock. That prick piano player, Nick, whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. He's probably, you know, banging Mrs. Nick. Um, <laughs> cut to Alice the morning after, and there's the interview where it, this interviewer says to her, um, her being Nicole Kidman. Uh, it cuts to you and you look like you've been crying for hours. How did you achieve that? 
I went and cried for hours. We didn't have to worry about time. <laughs> and like, when you think of that, it's like, yeah, okay, right. Uh, yeah, she has yeah, an exactly. awfully emotional day. And then we have this incredibly be- beautiful, iconic cut and shot. Kind yeah. of no complaints. Um, and then that cut to Bill, where he sat like a naughty schoolboy in his little jumper and his head down. And he's like, and you're like, okay. Yeah, similar, to, similar to how he sits in the car, where you can only see yeah. his face. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I know you said that you imagined uh, that you might, that you'd like to have an affair and that I went in, nearly had sex with a, with a prostitute and that I went to a full blown Epstein orgy. Oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, yeah, they're definitely. I just like. I don't need to see an extended scene. I think the cut to the morning after is a lot better. But I would love to see the moment where Alice is like, where oh, where Bill attempts to defend. Because you know uh, that just, for the. I just even him describing the the fucking orgy would would be great. They yeah, so just... so so I walked in and they were carrying this weird pendulum looking incense device and then the women were kissing each other yeah you know it was really really great sorry what (laughs) (laughs) you know that bit was fun and then there was this woman who came up to me was like you gotta get out of here and i was like nah 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 did you she sounded a lot (laughs) yeah she sounded a lot did you ever watch the kingdom of the crystal skull (laughs) (laughs) um and then I don't know if it's a really a favorite part, but just Alice is wearing a similar beige coat to the man stalking Bill. Like I don't think that means anything, but it just it just just spotted maybe, it. Maybe, maybe it is Alice. Hmm. Oh, but she <laughs> shaved her head. Oh my god! Uh, do you have any other um, small little uh, those tiny little favorite parts from uh... years of watching this movie? Uh, let me look real quick. Um, no, not really. Uh, I also, I've oh no, that's in best line. His, his head looking like it's floating in the car, and then all the yeah. transitions hmm. into the trees and stuff. Very nice. It's very nice. Right, we're going to take our second and final break, and then we'll be back to conclude this discussion of Eyes Wide Shut. Dun, dun. No. Ding ding. Ding ding. Oh, the full stop. And we come to an well, we don't come to an end just yet. We come to our uh, final part of recording. Uh best building or set. Now you alluded to it in a very funny um uh parentheses. Uh, yes. So Kubrick has a huge fear of flying, and the last time he was in America was for the premiere of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was a contractual obligation. Ever since right. then, he has been very, very happy in England, to the extent that his Vietnam War film was filmed in Sheffield. <laughs> now, I do think well, I that... No, it was shot in Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do think the egregious warscape of Vietnam being without any forest or greenery is the most egregious example. Yes. Do you think the the version of New York that we get in this film is um, 
has has an effect on the film, good or bad. Good. Yeah. It doesn't feel real. I think the biggest problem with this film, no, but I think when it comes to the set, I think the biggest problem with this film is those very few here and there uh, establishing shots that are real New York. Yeah. I just, I don't get why they're in their second unit, whatever. They do a pretty good job of matching them. Like there's one before the second day when he, or whatever it is, when he goes back to the rainbow fashion store. And there's one just before that. And they do a very good job of matching it. Mm -hmm. But in this New York, I'm not used to seeing busy streets with people. And mm. it feels, that gives me a jolt a lot more than um, the, than the the New York of the soundstage that we see the chase chase the the following scene in, yeah, mm. oh yeah, I know I completely agree. Uh, I also love, of course, the bar where Nick plays the sort of Savannah Lounge. I think it's called or something like that. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, High Clear Castle. So High Clear Castle was used uh, for the um, for the orgy was also the uh, part of the, the Rothschilds mansion. Now, did you know, Jay, these are some other things that have shot at Highclere Castle. Mm -hmm. A 1979 episode of Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> Downton Abbey. Right. Mary Berry's Country House Secrets. <laughs> and... And an episode of This Morning with Eamon Holmes and Ruth Langsford. Wow, and they're all part of the orgy cult. And here we have, um, and here we have uh, a note, a note, comments on the Wikipedia page for High Clare Castle. Uh, for Eyes Wide Shut, Warner Brothers Cinema Production, interiors at High Clare were used for the masked ball scene, which portrayed about 20 people having graphic sex. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Immediately followed, well, not immediately, but like very closely followed by TV documentary series themed around food in British manor houses, presented by Mary Berry. Um, I just found that very funny. That's that, that, that pretty funny. Um, are there any? You talked about the blue and the orange of the flat. Is the actual apartment a, a favourite set of yours, or is it? Or is there a obviously grander more system? I I quite like the it's um Ziegler's flat in the yeah. end, the, the pool table room. Mm. Like I really like that with the uh with the table with all the different alcohol mm. alcohols. That's that I've talked about this with Will before of like that creeps mm. into the territory of where best building or set becomes what room slash apartment slash house we'd like to own. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I would very much like <laughs> to own uh, Ziegler's Mansion. Yes. Um, soundtrack Corner. Um, a music that was used in the trailers a lot and became and is used twice during the film in the opening and the end, and I think quite awkwardly, actually, in the middle, is... Waltz number two, the down, down, bam, 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 and it, yeah, it sort of puts. You, I don't know what mind frame it really puts you in. Of, I guess a mass ball. I guess a nice big grand waltz mm -hmm. at a ball. Um, 
the other piece of music that was used in the trailers a lot and came via Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. because oh, it was. I think I know this one. Go on. Is it a uh, baby did bad bad? The wonderful Chris Isaac, yes, um, and that because that was the music allegedly that Nicole was using to listen to in order to get herself more free and ready for some of the nude scenes, and uh, he liked her choice of music of Chris Isaac, uh, star of Silence of the Lambs, and uh, they're on the elevator. Okay, go go go. So, okay, and more importantly, well, yeah, no, I'm not kidding. He's got like a, he's got a very small weird. Like he's barely in Silence of the Lambs. He's like, they're on the roof. Go, go, go. Mm-hmm. That is um, that is Agent Chester Desmond. You are talking about Chester Desmond. That is that was my next port of call. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there we go. And and then of course that what I've referred to here is that fucking piano music, <laughs> um, which we first hear at an hour twenty four minutes with another about uh, almost it's an hour and twenty four minutes, which is the exact. <laughs> midpoint of the film is the first mm-hmm. time we hear that you're like yep. oh, and then you hear it for the next hour <laughs> yeah it's a lot uh i think i think my favorite bit of music is the uh is the one that plays when he first gets there when they're doing the ritual oh yeah no. they're kind of oh, you, 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 you. <laughs> yeah, the wonderful kind of like... um the wonderful jocelyn pook who was an experimental musician, and Stanley Kubrick allegedly said to her, make some sexy music. And that's what we got. <laughs> that's what we got. Um, right. I mean, I mean, it reminds me of... Um, I think it's... Is it Ramstein in, in Lost Highway? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way. Imagine a world... Imagine a world where you're not wonderfully contented and happy with Olivia. You meet just a knockout woman. She's sensational. She says, come to my apartment. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. this is a done deal. She's like, I'm going to put some music on. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And she puts on, and she puts on like a one hour, she, so she, she doesn't, she walks straight past her record player, which has a beautiful selection of like, I don't know, Dusty Springfield or like sexy music. And she goes straight to YouTube one ten hours of Jocelyn Pook <laughs> eyes wide shut music. And and then she's su- and then she's getting naked, but she's then stood there for 10 minutes because she can't figure out her computer to uh to the TV mirroring. She gets really stuck. <laughs> and then she spells pook wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't know. I I probably find it really funny. I would, yeah, me too. In an absurd way. And it would be like, what's what's funny? It was like, oh, it's just not a joke. Um, Do you want to do best line or what's the change? Uh, We'll do what's the change first. What's the change? Bill's doctrine with Mandy that we discussed. Um, The abrupt fade out from the mirror sex of Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing into the straight cut once again into... Boom, 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 and the waltz again. I I found kind of abrupt. Doesn't really work for me, but that's quite mm-hmm. pit, that's quite picnicky. Um, so some of Tom's weed acting again, mostly it works for me, but some of it, uh, what what are what are you talking about? It kind of rang a little bit true. Um, 
here he's talking about I have a wife and four boys in Seattle. You got to go where the work is. A, is there no jazz bars in Seattle? And B, if he only gets the address two hours before, mm-hmm. does he get a previous thing that says it's going to be in New York? Because if he's in Seattle, also this goes down to my big thing. Can they not get someone who has like pretty good piano skills? to play at the incredibly seedy um, orgy filled with Epstein and and all the richest people in the world? Does the sex orgy need a live pianist also? Like, who's the guy who's like, you know what, I'm really into live organ? Also, also, do we think that Nick got shot in an alley, like, five seconds (laughs) Yes. I've got a lot. I've got a few of those later. Like there are ta- there are watches where I watch this and go, oh wait, this is all just Bill overindulging himself and like yep. going to the worst extremes. And Victor's telling the complete truth of like, yeah, we so he had a bruise on his face. That's the the I, there are watches where I go, yeah, I believe this. I think Bill's completely overreacted. Mandy probably did dive an OD, and um, Nick probably did get away with it. Sorry, get put on a trip back to Seattle to bag Mrs. Nick. And then there are watches where I go, oh, no, every, everybody's been dealt with. Yeah. But L- in that version, driver, lucky taxi driver, and also in that version, I find a lot of holes because why are they letting Bill off? Yeah, true. If, the, if there is a world where Nick is killed and where they kill Mandy, why are they not killing Bill? Yep. It's not like sure he's an upper class doctor, but it's not like he's I don't know, Rockefeller yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, true. Why not make him OD or whatever? Um yeah. and then this leads to another line from the Victor scene. I recommended that little cocksucker. Why is Victor the guy that's like, hey guys, guys, I know a great pianist. Why is Victor Ziegler the guy who they get a pianist from? Yeah, don't don't worry, guys. For the orgy later, I've got a great pianist. Yeah, um, that's the sort of thing. Like, yeah, my cousin plays the keys. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. And yep. um, I don't enjoy the image of the mask on the pillow before Bill arrives. We yes. Could... Why? Bizarre Why? editing choice it's completely removes choice. all the tension. And I mean, you can do the Hitchcock, a bomb under the table is more interesting than a bomb going off. But I don't think that's the case here. I think Tom crying, slowly walking through the rooms, feeling such shame, seeing his daughter, and then he walks in, and then we get a, you know, Danny zoom into the face, scream. <laughs> Well, not that. It would probably be the piano music again, let's be honest. And snap zoom to the mask. Snap zoom to... Maybe a snap zoom would... I don't know. But... Yeah. Bad choice. Very, very strange. Mm. Um, whilst we're talking masks, um, what's happening there? So in the original novel, it's Alice who's found the mask. And uh, he dropped it out of the bag accidentally. And um, Alice just... Uh, places it there being like, oh, your mask. But I've always thought it was maybe the the guys who planted it as just one final reminder. Yeah. 
Is that yeah. what do you? Yeah, that's how I read it. Mm. Um, any other changes, Jay? Um, I don't think so. Pretty good. Pretty good yeah. film. Pretty, it's pretty tight. Um, best little line. Best little lines. That's not what we call it. Best <laughs> lines. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've talked about when she's having a little titty squeeze. Do you think she ever has fantasies about what handsome Doctor Bill Dicky might look like? Um, I also enjoy in the same scene. Why don't you just relax? The part is making you aggressive. It's wonderful stuff. <laughs> um, and then again, something we haven't even talked about: Alice's second monologue about a sexual fantasy. Yeah, where you go through the whole night, and he's come well, not come to terms or whatever. He's gone through an arc, and he gets home, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I love my wife. She was just a little bit weedy. Weedy's not what people say. Uh, she was just a little bit high." Um, and then he's like, she's she's giggling, and then she's like, there were all these other men, hundreds of them, and everywhere, everyone was fucking, and then I was fucking other men, so many, I don't know how many I was with, and I knew you could see me in the arms of all these men, just kissing and just fucking all of these men. <laughs> Alice Halford, what a woman. Um, Jay, I'm going to feed you up for the final line of this film. Um mm -hmm. Forever, forever. Let's not use that word. You know, it frightens me. But I do love you. And you know, there's something very important that we need to do as soon as possible. What's that? Fuck. Cut to black. Imagine that being the final moment of your illustrious career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a good ending. A Did you watch ending. Barbie? I did. I literally thought the gynecologist line, I don't know if it was, and I don't think it is, it felt like an Eyes Wide Shut reference. <laughs> oh my God. It felt Maybe. like, I, I'm going to end this film on the most outrageous cut to black line. I want to see my gynecologist, my, <laughs> my gynecologist cut to black. And I just saw Noah Baumbach there with Greta just going like, what if it was like a reference to Eyes Wide Shut? <laughs> yeah. Um. Best specific Halloween costume. This hasn't been something that we've done with you yet. Um, and I'm going to go for uh, Victor with just his suspenders. I think that would be a really funny Halloween costume. Yep, yep. Um, yep. Any other lines? We've touched on it all, kind of. Any uh, other lines from you? Uh, Nick's line. Um, well, when Bill says, you know what they say, once a doctor, always a doctor. Yes, or in my case, never a doctor, never a doctor. <laughs> it, they, they, they are, they're seemingly friends, but also have only met for the first, have never met in their lives. You know, it's very off kilter, um, yep. but no less wonderful. Um, a few fun facts. Uh, to prepare to star, uh, to prepare for their role, Stanley Kubrick had uh, joined psychoanalysis sessions with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, where he had them confess to their fears about relations and their real-life marriage. According to Kidman, it was brutally honest and blurred the line between themselves and their fictional characters. Both of them vowed to never reveal what they discussed during these sessions. Right. What a guy. I'm just going to throw this in. What's this uh, week scheduling? It's just like in an apartment, uh, Stanley. Is this the apartment scene? Oh, no. We're going to do deep psychoanalysis where I'm going to get you. <laughs> We're going to get a bit psychosexual with this couple. Um, Nicole Kidman admitted uh, that her explicit scenes with the naval officer, played by male model Gary Gober, 
were difficult. We filmed them over three days and we shot a lot of stuff. I don't think I would do what I did that for, did there for another director. Stanley wanted it to be almost pornographic, but he did not exploit me. I did it because I thought it was important for the film. The film deals with sex and sexual obsession, and the scenes could not have been of me in a bra and panties pretending to have sex with somebody. That is hopefully what it was, Nicole. We've seen the film now. That is hopefully what it was. It did have a graphic quality to it. It was difficult going home to my husband after those scenes, but we both decided we were basically going to get lost in this world for a year and a half, and that's what we did. It is a great memory for us, and at times it was almost a dreamlike state. I don't know if I could write it as literally Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, and Stanley Kubrick, but I'd love to write a play or something yeah. or a film about this sort of situation. A real-life yeah. married couple playing a real-life married couple. I mean, that's been done before. I'm not stupid. Um, the yeah. It would be good. Um, so again, I don't really go in for the whole the Illuminati killed Stanley Kubrick or anything like that. But um, so the film's... Uh, consultant when it comes to um what's the, what was his term um yeah the so the new york post reporter uh, larry salona um who is the who was the press consultant for the film who helped with all the newspaper stuff um was a real life new york post reporter and was the credited uh, writer for the New York Post article about Epstein accomplice Ghislaine Maxwell's arrest on sex trafficking charges in 2020. And oh my God. he was the press consultant on this and is, as a nice Easter egg, the name that is credited to the um, Mandy overdoses um, tagline. Yeah. Uh, tagline. I liked, uh, I liked so. that it was actually uh, written, like it was an mm. actual article. Oh, come on. Do you think Stanley would have ever allowed yeah, Laura Nixon? Yeah, it goes beyond that, Jay. He had oh, multiple different. Oh, oh God! No, the newspaper when he when he sits down in the bar and it says on the front of the newspaper, "Lucky to be Lucky alive." Lucky to be alive. Yes. Brilliant stuff. He had new, different newspapers shot um, for the Italian release, for the Spanish release. I think the German release. Um, He's the guy. He's the main guy. He's the guy. The, uh, the tagline for the film was simply Cruz, Kidman, Kubrick. And it can't be underestimated to what extent um, that is enough to take a film in 1999 to number one at the box office. Obviously, mm -hmm. it is helped, is the wrong word, by the mysterious nature of the film, tied in with the, the mysterious nature that um, obviously uh, Kubrick is dead. And so it's like, this is his last, pardon me, this is his last film, and this will be his last ever film. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, Tom's big question. <laughs> would, a lot of these are, would Bill have done this? Would Bill have had the threesome if Victor didn't grab him? I mean, he does say, to be continued. <laughs> no. I don't think he would. But he likes the idea it. of, I mean, we all, everybody likes interest. I've never cheated myself um I, I i haven't but you know you know, there's nothing you know every, it's very nice to have somebody interested in you mm. this is where i reveal jay that this is a secret psychoanalysis uh for me and you and <laughs> um, oh did you notice the the gift that alice was and helena were wrapping for um bill 
for Christmas? No, what was it again? What A was Van it? Gogh jigsaw. In what world is Bill Hartford like, you know, thank you so much, girls. Thank you so much for this Van Gogh jigsaw. I mean, maybe that's just the side we never see. Maybe that's his thing. And he's, and he's yeah. like trying to figure out the puzzle. Uh, or maybe it was a book. It looked like a jigsaw. Maybe it was a book, but it looked like a jigsaw. Um, how much how much money does Bill drop over this night? He's just like... So, a lot. It's an obscene amount. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Uh, Domino said... I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, we've touched on this already. Was Victor telling the truth about this? And was Victor, you know, about the OD girl or anything like that? And then I have, is this Kubrick's best ending? And I know that you've only seen two, but like, king of good endings, like this, mm. Shining, Clockwork Orange is incredible. Um, Barry Lyndon has a good ending. Um Strange Love has an iconic ending. Just there's the old I can't remember who said it, but there's the adage about how a film only needs to have a good beginning, a good ending, and like three good scenes in between. And um if you end a film if you end a film well, like you're in for like that is half the um not half, but uh, that helps a lot when it comes to uh having a film have a lasting memory. Jay, any final thoughts? On Eyes Wide Shut. Um, no, it's just one of my favourite films. It's a wonderful film. It's one of my favourite films yeah. too. Um, we'll be back in the new year to discuss more. Do 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 do. Um, and we'll see if we can fit in another Kubrick in there. What's your next Kubrick? What do you want to watch next, Jay? You said a Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll do more Twilight Zone and we'll do Clockwork Orange in the new year. Oh yeah. There we go. Okay. Merry Christmas, Jay. Merry Christmas. Don't go to any orgies.